Welcome to the in-season podcast, the hunting podcast that brings back the camaraderie of hunting, the campfire conversations about gear, tactics, hunting stories, big bucks, gobbling turkeys, and whatever else might be in season. Whether you're an avid bow hunter, a small game enthusiast, or trying to plan your next big hunting adventure, we are here for it. So let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome to the first episode of the in-season podcast, the official hunting podcast for Treason Camo, your go-to for hunting and outdoor adventures. I'm your host, Mike Hemby, and here with me is my co-host, Holden Gilmer. That's right. Whether you're an experienced hunter, new to the scene, or just someone who loves the outdoors, this podcast is tailored for you. So get ready to explore the world of hunting with us. We're going to share stories, expert insights, gear reviews, and the latest trends in the hunting community. From tips for various hunting seasons to ethical practices and wildlife conservation, we got you covered. Our aim is to entertain, educate, and inspire responsible hunting for this generation and the next. So whether you're armed with a rifle, a bow, or anything in between, join us on this journey as we embrace the outdoors, discuss the highs and lows of hunting, and what drives each of us every day while we chase our next adventure. And don't forget to follow us on social media where we'd love to hear your stories, answer questions, and engage with our fellow hunting enthusiasts. Now let's start this podcast. So where did the connection between treason come into place here? Yeah. So when I moved back, uh, when I moved back from North Carolina last year to Georgia, um, it's hot in September when bow season opens, <laughs> uh, and the gear that I had was just not going to let me stay in the stand for very long. It, I felt like I needed to be in shorts and a t-shirt if that sometimes in the early oh, season. Yeah. Uh, so I started doing some research and I started looking online for a lightweight, uh, gear. Um, and, and I stumbled across treason initially, to be honest with you. And I really liked the camel pattern. Uh, and I ordered a couple pieces and I ordered the ultra lightweight early season pattern, uh, the pants and the top and just absolutely loved it. It was the most comfortable clothing I'd worn. So I joined the field staff and, and I've been on the field staff now for, for a year and a half or so. And, uh, that was the initial introduction to treason camo. Uh, after being on the field staff for a little bit of time, um, we won't dive too much into this, but but we both got a chance to go to Africa. Yeah, we sure did. With the president of, of Treason, uh, Mike Austin, which we're going to meet with Mike here uh, in the next week or so and have him on the podcast to talk about the origins of Treason and how this all came to be. But uh, that's how that's how it happened. So we were in Africa. I'd had a chance to, to be on multiple other podcasts and help with another buddy's podcast up in Michigan. And uh, that got us to where we are here. And we got to talking and just felt like treason and in season could really come together and create a great place for people to listen to hunting stories, come together and just expand the community of hunting. No. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, you couldn't have said it better right there, right? We had our, our trip to Africa. We got to hang out with Mike and the trees and staff. And, you know, before we got to go down there, you and I talked about this idea that we kind of had on, you know, before and going down there, like you said, just kind of solidified everything for us. Um, you know, you said, you mentioned, you mentioned that you were on a couple podcasts and things like that before. So go into a little bit of your background, Mike, you know, kind of your hunting experience, some of the stuff you've done in the outdoor world so far, and you know, how it kind of led us to where we are today. You know, I, uh, growing up in mid Michigan, I was in a family that hunted, but it wasn't necessarily a hunting family, mm-hmm. meaning that I, no, was ex- yeah. I was exposed to the outdoors. Um, my stepdad went out hunting. My grandparents were hunters. They weren't outside, but Michigan has this deep culture of opening day of gun season, right? So November 15th, oh, every yeah, it's year, notorious. 
everybody shows up. You think about the states that have some of the greatest hunting heritage and the volume of hunters mm-hmm. where, where school closes the first day of season. <laughs> and that's usually PA and it's Michigan, right? That, that's what they're known for. However, what Michigan is not known for is big bucks. It's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> tons not, of deer. <laughs> it's not known for historically a large archery community, mm-hmm. um, small lots of land. So, so growing up in mid Michigan, you know, I think I got my first gun when I was in middle school. Um, that was when my mom and my stepdad had got together at that time. And, and he was more of an outdoor person. And, um, so I got a chance to go out hunting with him once or twice, but honestly, I didn't kill my first deer until I was in undergrad, maybe 20, 21 oh, years wow. old. And it was my father-in-law that actually, uh, got me into it and, and was helped me get on that first year. So to be honest, it was, you know, through undergrad and graduate school, um, I'd go home every opening day, right? I'd be home <laughs> November 14th to get ready, November 15th. But at the time, I was just the guy that would go out, shoot, shoot my gun a couple times, and then mm-hmm. go get in a stand and hope something yeah. came by, right? I wasn't paying attention to wind or thermals, thermals yeah. or um, really, access really to stands access or to stands. Yeah. yeah, it was. I just went out because it was me and my my five younger brothers at the time, and my stepdad, and we'd just go out in the woods and we'd have a great time and. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved about it was, was that camaraderie. So that led on for, gosh, probably until my late twenties. Uh, and I got a chance to, to buy a piece of property in Michigan, in my hometown in mid Michigan, just 23 acres, um, swamp land, but, mm-hmm. but good deer habitat Yeah, and got connected with a couple other, um, a couple other good buddies that have been family friends for a long time. And, um, started taking it more seriously and, and more about habitat and what to mm-hmm. do. And we had to put up stands. So I started learning more about stand placement and doing research. Oh yeah. I mean, I bet there's a huge learning curve when you get your first piece of property, right. Where you're having to manage everything, you know, it, I know like on hunting public land, you know, you can't cut limbs and things like that. Right. But now you have your own piece of land that you can manage exactly how you want to manage, but I'm sure, you know, starting out, it wasn't as easy as that. No, it wasn't. Um, and I think that's what made me really start thinking about it a little bit more. And mm-hmm. even to this point in my, my mid to late twenties, I had a bow. I bought a bow in undergrad uh, and I'm a left-handed shot. So mm-hmm. I went to this small bow shop up in mid Michigan and it was on clearance cause nobody else is left-handed <laughs> apparently besides you, just yeah. you and I shoot left-handed and, um, and it was fully set up and I was like, cool, this seems like a good idea. And I went out a couple times, yeah. right? And it was an old, uh, like Martin mag cat that was oh, on clearance. Uh, just a cool, a, a cool little bow for me. I was excited at the time. And, um, but once I bought this property, I started saying, okay, I'm going to go up there and hunt with my family and I can be up there a little bit more in October. So I went out and, um, and, and I think it was mid, mid October to late October. And, um, and I got a chance at a, at a small little eight pointer, uh, I thought it was a little bit bigger, but it comes in and, uh, put a good, put a good shot on it. And after that, I'm like, okay, this bow stuff is pretty cool. Um, and then at that point I, I didn't know where to go, right. I didn't know what to Mm -hmm. do with that. And, um, I didn't want to go spend $1,200 on On a a new flagship bow. bow. And, uh, so a couple years later, me and my friend Minkus, who's a host on the generations top podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, he grew up with my younger brother. We, um, we were talking about going to Kansas and, um, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to take this old, old bow that's <laughs> never been restrung. Uh, I want a chance at success there. So, um, in 2021, we, uh, we went out to Kansas, but I bought a crossbow to be mm-hmm. honest. Cause I didn't, um, if it, it was easy, 
came oh, out yeah. of the box. I could shoot it. And, um, and I think that's where, that's where the love and research and diving into hunting and, and all of that really started to pick up from, from podcasts to YouTube, to all of the different things and research on terrain. Just becoming a sponge at that point, right? That's where you're just trying to take in as much information as you can learn as much. You you got bit by the bug at that point, right? You're, you're running around and you're trying to find all the info you can on, you know, good deer hunting techniques, where to go, how to hunt, all this good stuff. Yeah. It helps when you go to Kansas and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. And if it's right. the first time you see 160, 165 inch whitetail on the hoof. So that'll, that'll get you hooked a little bit more too. So how long, how long before you went to Kansas? I, I guess, let me back up. How long did you hunt that property in Michigan before you went to Kansas? Cause it oh, kind of sounded like, you know, you shot that little eight point that you were saying and no, there was probably four or five years okay. in between there. Okay. Yeah, there was there was four or five years in between there at least. And um and there was a few things that happened in there, right? I had a rifle and we went up me and my my father in law and brother in law went up to Canada, mm-hmm. uh like a thirty hour drive north of Michigan oh, up to um up to Quebec into Radisson and did a caribou hunt for the first time, oh, which was awesome. absolutely incredible. I uh, got a couple nice caribou when we were up there. The last 200 kilometers is down a dirt road with more potholes <laughs> than I think you've ever seen in any States. Uh, but it was an amazing adventure. Um, so I had some experiences, but mostly with, um, with in Michigan, it was all muzzleloader mm-hmm. at the time, muzzleloader or shotgun. And then in Canada, it was with a 300, right? So rifle. Mm-hmm. And um, when I moved down South in 2012, I just, I didn't, know where to go to hunt. I hadn't hunted a lot of public land. So most of my hunting was just back up in Michigan a couple times a year with my brother. So my exposure to it was just really limited. limited. Um, but after going to Kansas, um, that kind of got me hooked and I started making other plans and putting in points for Iowa. And at the time, you know, doing more bow hunting in North Carolina where I lived. And then, um, you know, we just, it, it just kind of kept rolling from there and then going to Missouri last year, this year, uh, obviously, you and I had a pretty epic adventure <laughs> to to South Africa. We've definitely started off our hunting season on a on a high note. That is for sure. Yeah, it kind of broke up. Honestly, it broke up turkey season and deer season. Great because oh, going yeah. to going to Africa the end of July and early August when it's their winter, um, it feels like there is no off season and everything is in season. Yeah, it, it was it was a perfect. Uh, timing trip to replace kind of the lull like you said between turkey season and deer season again uh yeah it was perfect right yeah and we're not gonna we're not gonna spoiler alert too much of the africa trip because we're gonna talk through specifics because there are some great stories and some great adventures lots of stories lots of good details lots of campfire talks that were were had at the lodge tons of good times yeah. So I think, um, my background, I'm a physical therapist by, mm-hmm. by nature. So anatomy and physiology and all of that is, um, it's just where I go. Like science is where I go. So once I started diving into hunting more, um, and angles and shots and arrow weights and, and, and guns and bows, and I started understanding the mechanics behind it and how it impacts mm-hmm. anatomy and what it's doing. I think that's what really started me to geek out on this more than I ever had in the past because there is so much research and there is so much data and there is so much knowledge that you can take in, uh, that at that point I was just addicted to it. <laughs> that's all. Well, and it's cool too, because obviously as a physical therapist and you said anatomy and everything, you're able to use, you know, you went to school for a number of years to learn all of that stuff. I so. got the student loans to prove it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, it's cool for you too to be able to use, you know, your real world experience as well to translate it over into, you know, your hunting hobby or your hunting 
Yeah, I don't know that my wife would call it a hobby these days. Um, she might call it a problem uh, yeah, or an, an addiction. But um, I, you know, I think that's I think that's where it all comes together. And I think your hunting background is probably a little bit different than mine, right? Because from what I understand, mm-hmm. your family was much more kind of in into hunting and into an industry than I had a family that went hunting that enjoyed mm-hmm. the outdoors, and that's what we did. But it was more casual than maybe how I live that life today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, yeah, like you said, I I had a hunting family, I guess I was the only one of my siblings that really dove into hunting as much as we have. Uh, but me and my dad, we would go, you know, we would go out hunting every Saturday. There was points where I was not playing sports, recreational sports, because, you know, games were on Saturdays, practices were on Fridays where, you know, the most important thing to me at that time was getting into the woods and going hunting. And I think that's what limited me growing up playing travel hockey and wrestling in high school. Those are both fall and Mm -hmm. winter sports. So, um, I think when my family did go hunting, I couldn't go with, because I usually had something else going on. Oh yeah. Like for me, I quit baseball in the spring because it was interfering with turkey hunting. Yeah. I took seasons off playing football because it was messing up with deer season too much. I had to go watch film with the team on Saturday mornings and things like that after Friday night games. And that was just not something I did not want to give up my time to be in the deer woods in October and November, December in Virginia to go watch a football game that we played the day before that hunting, hunting was the first thing that for me, like you said, I grew up with it. It was my first thing as a little kid that, you know, I got super interested in before, before organized sports and everything like that. So for me, hunting was my first love. My first love wasn't basketball or baseball or something like that compared to other kids. How did that love come to be? Was that largely your dad and experiences from that? My dad, tell me about that. My dad would take me out, you know, he would say we would start and we'd go and sit in a blind for 30 minutes behind our house, just in, you know, this little strip of wood. Um, we would just sit there until, you know, until I'd start crying as a baby. And then he would, he would bring me in and he'd say, you know, our time limit's 20 minutes. So I'd, he'd bring me out for 20 minutes at a time. I'd start crying. He'd take me in the house. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, I could sit there. So long. it's all you ever knew. Yeah. It's, it's the only thing I ever knew. And so, you know, as I got older, um, I had, I gained more patience. I could stay quiet longer in the blind and everything like that. And so I think I shot my first deer when I was seven or eight years old. Probably I killed my first deer with a muzzleloader. Um, and where were you guys living at the time? We were living in Virginia. So we were okay. living in Prince William County. Uh, we hunted a lot. Which is just outside of Just like outside DC of D.C. It's, yeah. south, it's southwest of D.C., probably 40, 45 miles, give or take. Um, but that's where I did a lot of my hunting was northern Virginia growing up. We lived there for a long time. And so the hills and mountains of you know Virginia and wine country in Virginia, if you weren't aware has really big deer. So we were, um, able to, you know, take some really good deers off the property that, that we had in Virginia. And like I said, that's, that's what just snowballed it for me. Um, at an early age, I just dove head first into, into hunting and I've never looked back. Okay, good. And, um, when did, when did it go from being something that just you and your dad did together to being something that was part of you, whether your dad was there or not, or whether he was busy or not? Like when did, when did that happen? It wasn't mostly also, was it mostly muzzleloader archery? Like when did those different things kick in? Cause again, for me, archery really didn't become a major part of this until my mm-hmm. late twenties. Yeah. So archery bow hunting for me, I mean, I had a bow since you know, I could pull back 25 pounds 
So, I mean, I was six. Seven. So like last year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was, I don't know how old I was when I got my very first bow, but, uh, I had a bow for a long time and yeah, you know, I remember being little and wanting to go bow hunting and my dad not letting me because I couldn't pull back, you know, 35 or 40 pounds, whatever the state requirement was at the time. So I definitely had a handful of seasons where I had a bow before I could actually bow hunt. So shooting targets in the backyard and everything like that was still ingrained with me. I'd run around the woods and, you know, shoot squirrels and rabbits with judo tips and everything like that <laughs> um, until I could actually, until my dad would actually let me, you know, go out with a bow, which I was probably 12 when I shot my first deer with a bow. Okay. So, you know, bow hunting, rifle hunting, muzzleloader hunting are all, we're all big in my family, at least, you know, when bow season was here, we all hunted with a bow. When muzzleloader came, we all switched to muzzleloaders. When rifle season came, we all switched to rifle. Um, we, I never grew up at least, you know, until recently, um, my obsession with bow hunting has, you know, greatly increased, right? I, I feel like I've killed a, a lot of animals with rifles and muzzleloaders at this point. Um, but we're, bow hunting sticks out to me is, you know, the challenge of, you know, having to get close, you know, being able to really pattern the animals to where you can get tied up in there, playing the winds, the thermals, all that, like you talked about. For me, that part has really, you know, taken off in the last handful of years. Um, like you're mentioning, you know, when I went to college, that was when I started really hunting by myself without my dad. That's when it, I took on my obsession with hunting and grew it by myself. I didn't have my dad to go hunting. We were living in different states. Obviously, I was in college. And so it was up to me to go out and hunt by myself. So I was trying to make friends in college who had local hunting land and everything like that. Um, and so I was able to do that to, you know, keep my hunting uh, volume up, I guess you could say, throughout college. But it definitely tapered off there. And then once I graduated college, you know, I kind of went full back, full, full back into okay. hunting again. So I think that gets us into uh, your story kind of tells it. And uh, I think mine is about to of why, why did we name the podcast in season? Right. And I, I think about this, my, my wife asked me a question a couple months back, like mm -hmm. before you and I started talking even about Africa. Um, and she said something about the off season. And in my head, I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> baby, there really is yeah, no off season, what you, right? It's What's an off season uh, to you? What's your definition of the off season? Because <laughs> at the time, like when we, my wife and I've been together since I was 15, mm -hmm. right? We were high school sweethearts. Uh, we're both in our mid thirties now. Uh, so as we sit here, she's known me through multiple phases or seasons of life, right? <laughs> um, and as I mentioned before, in, a, in an earlier season of life, it was about sports or it was mm -hmm. about college and it was about school. Um, and then seasons change and life changes. And I think the things that you're passionate about also change, but she asked me, well, what's, uh, what is it deer season? Is that like your favorite thing? It seems like you're really getting into Turkey hunting. When you go back to Michigan, you go rabbit hunting with Minkus. Like, what is it? And I, and I paused and I couldn't answer the question and I thought about it and I said, you know, I said, my favorite thing to hunt is whatever is in season. And that's kind of where, where I initially like got the tie to it, which ties back to your story because whether it's small game season, oh yeah, uh, going through the snow in Michigan with my buddies, beagles, uh, that you'll, uh, he'll be on the podcast at some point and he'll talk about his world-class beagles. And, um, like I absolutely love it, whether it's small game with my daughters and we're squirrel hunting with a 22, absolutely love oh, it. Oh yeah. If I mean, it's spring turkey, um, 
if it's fall for whitetails, uh, if it's off season and the only thing you can shoot in Georgia is hogs, like oh, that's then probably where hogs. you're going to find me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but how does that, how does that meaning for you as no, far as I, being in season and, and different things to hunt and yeah, the adventure? I feel, I feel the same way. Um, from small game squirrel and rabbit from growing up running around the woods, with my, like I said, with my bow and judo points or a pellet gun or a 22 or a 410, whatever, whatever I could get my hands on to go run around in the woods that was in season. Um, that's what I was doing. He said, doesn't matter. You know, fall's coming up. Deer season's on my mind. Spring's coming around too. And I'm going to start thinking about turkeys. <laughs> that's just, that's just how it goes. Once those seasons start changing, like you said, my, my mind's switching gear to what I can hunt next. And when initially when my wife asked a question, I was thinking about the seasons of hunting based on what the, mm-hmm. the state manual says you could hunt during these dates. And then as I was planning for, uh, you know, our trip to Africa, to the bear hunt that I have in Maine, to the property that we both hunt on in Alabama, I created a calendar back in February and it was like, what do I need to do in March and April? To get ready and it for was everything like, get up. my broadheads tuned for this, get these, get these stands hung, replace straps, get trail cameras out, replace batteries, get these, get that. And the next thing I know, um, deer season preparation went all the way back until February, right? (laughs) It was like from scouting to tree stands, to shooting lanes, Mm -hmm. to road repair, uh, to food plots, to whatever it might be. Mineral sites, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Everything from top to bottom there, it is always in season and, and, uh, you might not be able to hunt it, but there's always something you can be doing to improve the habitat or it's a like prepare yourself for what that might come. Well, yeah. And the thing is too, when you have a piece of property, like you said, that we hunt on getting out there as much as possible is super important because there's no other way that we're able to pattern these deer, right? To figure out where we're going to hang those stands, where we're going to put cameras, where we're going to throw mineral sites, things of that nature. The only way you figure out that stuff is being there. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think the lot, we were out there a couple of weeks ago and uh, I think we almost both died of heat stroke because it was like 95 <laughs> yeah, degrees. I couldn't imagine. I mean, it would be worse this week and I couldn't imagine being out there this week. Yeah. Either. It would, I mean, it would be a struggle. Terrible. It would be a struggle for sure. Yeah. So, we had a, we had a plan to go out there all day and we made it to about one or two o'clock and we had to call it quits. Yeah. We ran out of water <laughs> and we brought a lot of it. So I think as we move forward here with the in-season podcast, this is episode one. You guys have heard a little bit about Holden and I, the connection with treason. There's going to be a lot more about that. But what you can really expect from the podcast, and, and I think what's drawn me more into the community of hunting is around the camaraderie, mm-hmm. the campfire stories. We're going to have some guests on to share stories from around the globe. Um, you know, with our experiences in South Africa, to Johan and Beulah from Hunt Tech Pro coming from South Africa here in a couple weeks Going to, to hunt, hunt whitetails in Ohio, oh, yeah. uh, to some team members that we've had a chance to get to know that are that are in Hawaii and they don't have whitetail there. And what's hunting like there? Uh, so we're going to hear stories from around the globe, exposure to some brands that you might already know and be familiar oh. with, but some that you're not that you might want to try out. And then also some really good experts from the field that have, that have way more skill and way more experience than you and I could ever have. And selfishly, I'm excited about this to bring them on and learn how to hunt different areas in different ways with different tactics. Uh, and I think that's going to be really, really beneficial for us and for anyone that listens to the podcast. Yeah. For me, I mean, I am no hunting guru by any means. I, I love hunting. I'm obsessed with hunting. I spend a lot of my time trying to learn about hunting. But like you said, having some of these guests that we have lined up to come on this podcast, I'm super excited to 
just like you said, be a sponge, learn everything we can from these people coming on because they have way more knowledge about, uh, hunting in general than either you or I. And if anybody, if anybody listening to this thinks like, Oh, Hey, I know all about this, or I know all about that. There are so many different ways. If you're hunting from the ground in a spot and stalk, um, you know, like the whitetail adrenaline guys or some of the guys from the hunting public, or you're new to saddle hunting or you're in a tree stand, there are so many different ways to do it. And, and I experienced this whole thing. So I'm, I grew up in Michigan, right? Relatively flat terrain, lived in North Carolina, Western North Carolina, like the Appalachian mountains. Mm-hmm. It's way different. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was like, uh, I, I did a majority of my hunting in Virginia. And when I moved down to Alabama, it's pine. It's all pine. It's all pine plantation. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that was a huge change for me. I never, before I moved down to Alabama, I never hunted out of a box blind over a food plot. Never once in my life before I moved to Alabama. That was a whole big thing. But like you said, there's so many ways to, to go about how you want to hunt, what you want to do, how you hunt, all that good stuff where it's, it's incredible. And I can't wait to learn all about it. Yeah. So some of the things that we have on that you guys can be expecting, um, obviously we're going to bring on Mike Austin, the president of treason here shortly to tell the story of treason and the connection to the podcast. And some of the, I mean, he's killed some amazing animals all across the world, world. all across the world. Um, Holden and I are going to talk in detail about our bow hunting adventure to South Africa. Spoiler alert, some big animals (laughs) hit the ground. And you're Um, going on a bear hunt too. So we're going to have to talk about that. In two weeks, I'll be leaving for Maine with my father-in-law and brother-in-law. So we'll do an episode from bear camp um, in Northern, Northern Maine up near Canada. Uh, we got a father-daughter hunting duo that we are working that with That one I'm right really now. excited about. Uh, I'm really excited. I have, I have two daughters, six and eight years old. And last year, they both got a chance to go out with me, and we smoked a couple does. And I had, look, I had about. a great season last year, right? I killed seven yeah, you, you, deer you, you across five states. Uh, but my, my favorite hunt was when my five-year-old was with me in a box blind with a rifle, and we, we had a, it was our first time she was with me whenever we shot an animal. And I'll tell you what, the experience of that was better than any of the bucks that I shot last year. Um, and it was just really cool to be able to experience that. So bringing on a father daughter duo, that's, that has a special place for me. And then we got, um, we got some velvet hunt success. We've already got a couple we people have. that are on the treason field staff that we're excited to bring on. I've never had a chance to hunt a deer in velvet, right? The Michigan yeah, season no, opens October either. one. Um, I've never been in a tree stand and, and had deer in velvet yet. Mm-mm. So getting a chance to hear about some success in some of these different states for early season velvet, especially because it's like a thousand degrees in some of these states right now. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing <laughs> I, it. That's I a bucket list. That's a bucket list item for me. Oh yeah. Uh, hunting a velvet deer is something that, that I want to do super bad. I want to get the chance to, like you said, go out super early season pattern a couple bachelor groups of bucks be able to put one down in full velvet like that that's always been a goal yeah it's um and and i think hopefully we'll get a chance to do that here in the near future i think we're already going to miss it uh here this year because when when the georgia season kicks off the first or second week of september here i'll be in maine so i won't get to hunt whitetails until about a week and a half later and they'll probably already be all stripped off so. yeah there yeah i don't i don't think there's uh there's much time for us this year to get a velvet buck on the ground. But like you said, I think next year or the year following, it's going to be something that I'm going to put, you know, pretty high on my, my target list. And that's really just the start of it, right? As we work through this, we have a lot of stories and a lot of different people that are coming on that can talk about hunting in South Africa. We got, we got a couple of people that we know that are currently literally yesterday 
left for uh, Newfoundland to go on a moose hunt on an archery moose hunt. Yeah, that's um, that's gonna. I can't wait to hear about all the stories from that because that sounds like an absolutely incredible yeah. trip. From literally what I've talked going to into on an island uh, and hunting moose with a bow. Yeah, I mean, what a dream. Yeah, it's it's going to be incredible. What a bucket list hunting uh, adventure right there. We're excited to hear about that one. And that's just the tip of it. Like I said, we have a lot of different things that are coming up here, Um, some different gear reviews and brand reviews. And like Holden said earlier, um, you can see us on all major social media platforms. We're going to be uploading some of these video podcasts to Mm -hmm. YouTube as well, uh, as well as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and anywhere else you might find somebody. Everything should be at in season podcast to, to find us on all social media platforms. Absolutely. And I think the other thing here is if you like this, uh, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast listening, your uh, listening forum that you're following us on. And, uh, we're excited to, uh, to keep this thing rolling. You can expect an episode just about every week here. Uh, we've got a lot of these planned out and a lot of these scheduled, and we are really excited to keep this rolling and keep it having, um, keep having fun with it. Oh yeah. Like you said, we, we have a lot of stuff lined up. We're super excited to, to really kick this off. This is just the first episode, the tip of the iceberg. Um, so there's a, there's a lot more to come, which is super exciting. So thanks everybody for tuning in and, uh, we will see you soon. Uh, The next episode coming up is going to be with Mike Austin from trees and camo. See you on episode two.